Hi, I'm Richard Hunt. Promise Keepers was launched back in 1990 by Bill McCartney, then the head football coach at the University of Colorado Boulder. For a number of years, the group held successful national and regional events to encourage men to honor Christ and to become godly leaders in their families and their community. But over time, the operations of Promise Keepers dwindled. Today, the organization is led by Ken Harrison, who is in the process of revitalizing the once large and very popular ministry. Ken, would it be correct to say that Promise Keepers is more or less making a comeback? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Promise Keepers really didn't do much for like 15 years. It never went away, but it didn't really do much. What caused that? What happened to Promise Keepers? Promise Keepers, I mean, to be candid, it, it was really one of the biggest movements in the in the history of the church. Seven million men went to uh, events in the 90s, but it just lost its way. It lost what it was about, which is empowering men to follow Jesus Christ, and it got diverted in too many different directions. I've seen a lot of companies do the same exact thing, and we just needed to recall it back to who it is, its identity, which is uh, NFL stadium events full of men. How would you describe uh, the mission today versus what it was 30 years ago? It's just it's just much more intense. I mean, I think 30 years ago we had the same thing, a call to holiness. Um, but today I think men have really lost their identity and who they are. I think the epidemic of fatherless homes has made it much, much worse. Uh, you know, those of us who had good dads learned early on that life isn't easy. Uh, it's not easy as a man, especially because our job is to really defend and protect and provide for those we love. And and that translates into being a disciple of Jesus isn't easy. It's self-sacrifice. It's giving up your rights to yourself. And so that's translated now to where I see a giant movement um, away from Scripture, away from truth being black and white. Truth is what God says it is. It's not what we say it is. And one of my mottos and one of Promise Keeper's mottos is that we don't change Scripture to meet our worldview. We change our worldview to meet Scripture, and that is one of the biggest problems with the church today. In today's culture, what is the challenge particularly for men as men and as leaders in their family and so forth? You know, it's hard because men are beat up on so much. They've been condemned, and so they don't need to be told anymore that they're bad people. And even we've lost a bit of the message of grace. And, and so much of the message of grace right now is that, uh, and men hear this especially so, you know, you're really bad people, but Jesus loves you anyway. So so leave church and try not to be so bad, but we know you're going to be, and he'll love you anyway. And, and men are checking out. They're saying that message doesn't have value because we've forgotten the idea that salvation is the beginning point, not the end point. And so, yeah, the grace of Jesus saves us from our sins, no matter how heinous they are, and his love never ceases. But uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus saves us and leaves us here in this sinful world so that we can change it, so we can claim it back for him, because there's hurting people all around us, and especially women and children today are, are being really harmed, and they're counting on men to stand up in strength for Christ. They're counting on us. That's why Jesus is left here. We need to call men back to our mission of who we are, to stand up for truth. And sometimes, you know, what I learned as a police officer in South Central Los Angeles, if you stand up for what's right, that doesn't necessarily make, going to make you popular. So it is difficult to, to, to be a Christian. It always has been. Uh, are some men not really up for the challenge of, of, of a Christian life, do you think? 
Oh, for sure. And Jesus promises that that, that, that would be the case. I mean, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is a description of what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. So we know salvation comes through belief, John 3.16. But being a disciple is a choice, and it's sacrificing yourself. It's picking up your cross daily and following Jesus. It's dying to your, your rights daily. So many, many people will not opt to be true disciples. And the disciples are the ones that will see the true joy and power of the Christian life, and they're going to get rewards in this life and, and thereafter. You know, and people, you know, they ask me all the time, why do you have such a healthy family? Why is your marriage so healthy? I've been married for 28 years. Why are your three kids um, such great kids? And it, it's really not hard, but it's really hard, meaning all it takes is just to obey Jesus, obey Scripture day to day in the moment. Um, it's a simple process if you don't get ahead of yourself, but obeying Scripture at the same time can be very hard. So it's sort of like the uh, the very short passage in the Bible where uh, Jesus' mother Mary said, whatever he says, do it? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> kind of wraps it up. The key to the Christian walk, just obey God's Word. Understood. <laughs> so, Ken, uh, something big I understand is planned for 2020, year 2020 in Texas. Can you share with us what's going on? Yeah, we are so excited. So Promise Keeper's identity was an NFL stadium full of men, which we haven't done in 20 years. And so we're coming back to AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys, on July 31st and August 1st of 2020. And that is a very key date next year um, because, and we didn't choose it for this reason, I really was praying about when, what date to do this. The Lord gave me the date, and then I found out it's right between the Democratic and Republican National Conventions. So the Democrats are going to choose their presidential nominee in mid-July. The Republicans are obviously going to pick Donald Trump in mid-August. And I believe that there will be a lot of fear and anger uh, revolving around the entire political process. Um, and right in the middle of that is going to become Promise Keepers. And Promise Keepers is going to be where we call 82,000 men together and say, listen, the state of this country is not going to be solved by politics. There can be political solutions. I'm not taking away from that. But unless and until we change the hearts of men and women across this country, unless and until we change how we do things in the church, which is to get involved, then it's never really going to change. We may see our political party get voted in temporarily. But until we turn the hearts of, Jesus, of people back to Jesus Christ, we will not see this country get healed. And that's the message that the men are going to come out of that stadium with don't be filled with fear and anger about the political process. You get involved in your local community. Um, so it's going to be a huge deal. And tickets are going to go on sale on uh, August 1st of this year on promisekeepers.org. So let's say that a, uh, a girlfriend or a wife is listening to, to what we're talking about right now, and they would just love to get their boyfriend or their husband involved. What is a good way that, that they could approach someone who may be kind of hesitant to, uh, to jump in? So 40% of the tickets sold in the 90s were to women to send their husbands, boyfriends, um, and sons. And really, you know, I, I get all kinds of mail, as you might imagine, hundreds of, of emails and, and letters and, and contacts per week. Many, many of those are from women who are saying, we're so grateful that you're bringing us back. We so want to see, I so want to see my husband um, fall in love with Jesus, or I'm concerned for my boys, or I'm concerned for my daughters. Who are they going to marry? And so um, absolutely, you can buy them tickets. Um, don't pressure them. 
um, tell them how much it would mean. And, and it's a bonding experience. So for those who don't know Dallas, uh, the, the, the stadium is surrounded by Six Flags, um, Amusement Park, by Wet n' Wild, by Texas Rangers Baseball Stadium. So there's a whole huge event process. And we want fathers to bring their sons. And so tickets um, are $99, but they're discounted if you bring your boys and family members because we don't want anybody to not be able to come because they're priced out. We've also set aside 8,000 seats for scholarships so that those who are low income can apply for those seats and, and not only get seat but get food, get parking, because we want to see everybody who wants to be there have the ability to be there. Ken, how did you get involved with Promise Keepers in the first place? Kicking and screaming. Um, I had said after uh, the Lord made it clear that I was supposed to do this, that I felt like if I didn't bring Promise Keepers back, I was going to get swallowed by a big fish. And so um, actually Raleigh Washington was the CEO of, of Promise Keepers, and he came to my men's discipleship group, and he said, I'm, I'm Raleigh Washington, I'm the CEO of Promise Keepers. And I said, that's still a thing. And uh, and he he kept coming to me for a while, asking me to come on the board. And when I finally went to one board meeting to help Raleigh out, um, uh, basically they just desperately needed help. And so I voted me as the chairman, and I've rebuilt the board. So we put some just phenomenal people on the board. We put Chad Hennings, the, uh, the fighter pilot who won three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys uh, on our board. We put Todd Wagner, who's the pastor of Watermark Church in Dallas, and we put our first woman on the board, Elvita King, Martin Luther King's niece. And I, I wasn't looking. I said that whoever we put on the board, we will do so without regard to color or, or gender or title or anything else. We want godly, wise people. And so I really I wasn't looking to put a woman on the board. Um, but God made it plain that this was the kind of wise, um, battle-tested person that he wanted on the board in Alveda. So we, we now have her on our board. So looking at, of course, what's going to be happening in Dallas and, and, and even ahead, what, what are your, your hopes and prayers that Promise Keepers can accomplish uh, in this modern time? We want to start a giant revival, and that revival can start with men because men lead their families. And, and really, we need men to be empowered and begin to stand in courage. Um, another statement I make all the time is that humility is the sign of someone who's in love with Jesus. And the sign of humility, the outward sign of that in a man, is generosity and courage. We need to see men courageously standing up for what's right. In order to know what's right, you have to know what's in the Bible. Uh, men are responsible for leading their families scripturally, for, for you know, asking their kids, what are you learning in school? Hey, let me give you maybe some things that the Bible says. So you learned in school today that there's umpteen genders. Well, let's go to Genesis 2 and 3 and see that God created male and female in his image and that a, a fully masculine man and a fully feminine woman together in marriage are the best representation of the image of God that there is. And these are important things that we need to know so that we can explain them to our kids because the world is not necessarily educating our kids in the way that we'd like. So we want to start a revival in the church, starting with men, teaching their families, empowering men, and saying, you know what, um, you are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are, and let's remind you of who that is. So the, the most powerful thing, and I've heard this from over a 1,000 men, I'm sure, and, and several of them in tears have told me, the feeling of hearing 80,000 guys singing together it's just, sh it's just shockingly intense. And 
I started asking myself, why, why is that so intense? And I think it's two things. First, we really as men rarely ever experience true authenticity, truly people being honest with who they are. We have so many defenses up, especially in the church with our little Christian faces on. You get there and you see guys hearing the best preachers in the world and singing these songs, the guys in tears and they're repenting and they're hugging each other. And there's something so real in that that you can't escape the feeling of that. And the second thing I think is when you look around at these 80,000 deep voices singing with abandon, because men don't sing in church, but they get the promise keepers and they just let it go. I think there's a feeling of I'm not alone because I think a lot of us feel, hey, I'm all alone. And it it creates a certain set of emotions in this way. I think guys are saying, man, I am pumped up and I'm ready to join forces with these guys and make something happen and stand up for truth. Ken, you uh, are involved in in a number of things in in the spiritual world and the business world. You're also an author. Uh, Your book is Rise of the Servant Kings. Could you kind of give us a little overview of what that is? Yeah, it's fun. It's a it's a very um, direct um, explanation of what it is to be a scriptural man, and it takes a lot of my stories as a policeman in the Compton area of Los Angeles on the LAPD, and they're not hero stories. They're really real, raw, authentic stories. A lot of them about my own failures. Um, I didn't want to have another hero book. I wanted to have a book where people can read it and say, you know what. I may not be a Navy SEAL or I may not be this or that, but I can sure as heck be like Ken Harrison because he's nobody special. But I mean, look at all the things he did, and yet he still follows the Lord. And so it, it's a very real, raw look. And I've actually had a lot of women come back to me after reading the book and say, you know, this is a man's book, but uh, I think it's very applicable to females as well. Because it really is. It's a book on being a disciple. It's a book on how we experience the power of Jesus. It's just wrapped up in a masculine cover with a bunch of really intense, somewhat violent cop stories. Do you have a uh, particular scripture, a particular verse that uh, you kind of hang your hat on that, that is your favorite? <laughs> well, thanks for asking that, man. You know, the one that's really gotten me the last year with this Promise Keepers thing, I, I didn't see Promise Keepers coming. I had no idea this was going to be my call. And uh, it's been John 3, 8, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he says to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. We just, if we, if we obey the Lord in the moment, if we stay away from uh, sins that are uh, abject known sins and we stay repentant, God will use us in amazing ways and we'll look back and go, whoa, I never thought I'd be here, but I'm so filled with joy. I really wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. That's the life of living uh, in the Spirit. It, it says, Oswald Chambers says that the life the common sense life is one of certainty, but the life led by the Spirit is one of delicious uncertainty. And uh, I, I think that really sums up that verse. All right. Ken Harrison, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it.